Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group. It's Saturday, August 20th, 2022, and this is the roundtable with our partner, Heinz VA's Women's Healthcare. You just heard our host, Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions, and August is National Wellness Month. We have a great panelist with us today. Her name is Chloe Sterpico. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a primary care behavioral health worker. We're going to talk about mental health integration, and also how the program at the Women's Clinic is working there. How are you doing? Hi, good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? Are you great? Perfect. So, yes, my name is Chloe. I'm um, a social worker within our primary care mental health integration program at Heinz. So at Heinz, for short, we call that PCBH, so primary care behavioral health. So if you hear me mentioning that interchangeably, no worries. Um, so I've been with Heinz for about four years. Um, before that, I actually um, interned within the Women's Health Clinic. And within about the last 10 months, I've been working as a full employee within the Women's Health Clinic. Wow. So tell us about the program. How does it, how, What's going on with the, with the program as far as mental health goes? And also particularly yeah. with women. So how do you focus on women's care? Yeah. So... In terms of primary care behavioral health, what that looks like in within the VA at large, it was brought to the VA in about, I believe it was 2008. And what we do is we sit co-located within primary care settings and we see patients for any behavioral health or mental health need as warm handoffs. So if you can think about it like this, you come into your doctor, your primary care doctor, and you let them know what you're dealing with, any like psychosocial or psychoemotional need, like stress, sleep, med management, depression, anxiety, PTSD. You let your primary care doctor know. They message me, which we call us a triple C, so co-located care. And the doctor introduces you to someone like me, a social worker, a psychologist, and we do very brief sessions of what we call a functional assessment. We'll assess um, and identify really what you feel like you want to work on. If maybe you're not connected with mental health within the VA, get folks connected. Um, we have a lot of resources within the VA, and sometimes it could actually be pretty overwhelming with all the different programs we have. So we are kind of that central um, key that can get folks connected to the different resources, as well as we provide in-house therapy within primary care. 
So I can see folks usually around four to six sessions for brief treatment. Um, if, the, if that's what they need, maybe for more mild to moderate symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, and then I could either refer out as needed. So in women's health, um, while if you if you think about it, right, the VA, I don't know if you've ever walked through a VA, mm-hmm. it can be a little overwhelming, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> especially Heinz, we're, we're a pretty big facility. This is kind of like a one-stop shop, right? You can go up, we're located on the 12th floor, and you can see, you know, your primary care doctor, your your mental health, someone like me, talk to someone about, say, like a, a med management or antidepressants, all in one place. Um, so it really can help with stigma and then also just help breaking the barriers of, of the VA system, mm-hmm. um, allowing folks to be seen same day. Mm-hmm. Do you see that um, women are more apt to get help versus men when it comes to mental health? <sighs> that's a good question. And I I don't know if that's the case. I, I want to say we don't have data on that. I can't actually, I recently read a study back in 2000, at least for primary care, um, women were less likely to use um, PCBH, primary care mental health integration services, although I think it was around, at, at Heinz, we, we have around 10% of our veteran population u- utilizing us. Okay. Um, but compared to their male counterparts, they were less likely to use it. But the study showed that if they were to use it, they were less likely to maybe be in need of um, like specialty mental health care. So they were able to treat their... their um, treat their symptoms within primary care, and they were actually less likely to um, be in need of hospitalization, so inpatient mm-hmm. hospitalization. That's interesting, because one thing about women in the military is that I think the number was like 25% report sexual abuse, sexual trauma, things along these lines. You would think that that would be more utilized for by women that are veterans to get some kind of mental health or treatment. Yeah, and in terms of... Uh, seeking care. I do think lots of female veterans seek care. I think that there just might be barriers into terms of how they seek care, which is why PCBH is a great thing because it you're you can identify these needs within your primary clinic and you don't need to say maybe go to a mental health clinic in a different building. It can all all be done at one place, Mm -hmm. um, which helps with just folks being comfortable, right? We even have a program where we have, if, if female veterans are not comfortable walking into Heinz due to maybe triggers, they can have a peer support walk with them um, so they're not alone, walk with them to their clinics, and then walk with them to their car, too, just so they feel um, comfortable and confident in being able to seek services. Now does Heinz and, or any other VAs do you know of, do they offer uh, telemedicine so they can do something either through like a Zoom call or something yeah, online? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say COVID has probably shown a light on these services, but all of our mental health services, even groups too, Mm -hmm. most of them are either offered in person or over um, what we call it um, VVC, so over video. And you can see individual or group over video to kind of help with that as well. Now, do you think over the last year since you've been in this this, uh, industry, 
Have you seen people starting to take mental health more seriously and using mental health and more aware of mental health and what the importance of keeping your mind this healthy? Because we don't often yeah. think about taking care. We take care of our bodies. You know, we exercise. Sometimes we eat right. But doing things to actually help the way you think or the way that you process information, taking care of your brain. Are we, are we learning more about that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I will say before I worked at the VA, um, I when I was in school, right, I actually um, studied integrated care because we don't really often think about when we go to the doctor, right, that our brains, our mental health, our behavioral health is important. And when I interned at Heinz, I was actually kind of surprised about just how integrated that is, where, you know, we meet weekly on an interdisciplinary team identifying patients' needs in terms of their brains and their bodies and how that is so connected. Um, we have I, There's so many different programs at the VA. We have whole health, um, health, health promotion, disease prevention, and then PCDH um, that really do highlight how, you know, our bodies and brains are connected, how stress can really right, affect our physical health and how our physical health can affect our mental health and how it's so in it's together. Um, I will say it's with COVID, I do, I do feel like it's been a little bit more highlighted, right, with okay. us being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our patients were alone and, and how we can identify some of those needs in terms of being connected. We, we have veterans that love coming to the VA, love our groups, right, love having that camaraderie. And when COVID happened, we didn't have that often. Mm-hmm. One of our peer supports on our team made a, made a group just called um, Veterans Supporting Veterans. And it was a group where both veterans could get together and talk to each other for COVID, right? Um, so COVID, I do feel like, has highlighted that, that this is what we need. You know, we, yes, we were going through a pandemic, but then we were also going through these, this instance where we were not having these, these human connections on a day-to-day basis and how that can affect our mental health as well. So what do you think are key things as everyday civilians, veterans, people in general, what do we need to do to keep our brains healthy? What are some key habits or strategies that we can do as on our own? Yeah. So if you think about stress, right, I'm, I'm a big component proponent in just we go through our everyday lives with how much stress, right? And it's, there's good stress, and then there can be too much stress. Of course, we need stress in our daily lives to just function. If we didn't have stress, we probably wouldn't do, like, our work deadlines, right? Um, the news can be stressful. Just sitting in traffic can be stressful, and our bodies can get overloaded. And sometimes we don't know that, right? Mm. Um, and how do we deal with stress on a day-to-day basis? And then, for instance, some folks that maybe experience PTSD, right, experience stress in a different way. So when they experience stress, their their stress level, their baseline might be a little bit higher than folks that maybe have never experienced a traumatic event. So my suggest, suggestion since stress is something that we go through day to day, is is learning ways to cope with stress. And there there's different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, two two big proponents that I'm a believer in is meditation and some type of moving your body. It doesn't have to be this hour workout, right? 
But when you get to moving your body or you meditate, right, when you're stressed, your body releases extra cortisol, which is a stress hormone, adrenaline. Um, it actually releases glucose sugar. So, like, if you if you experience diabetes, um, it can affect that as well. And when you meditate or work out, it actually will eat those things up. It will mm. burn those things up. It allows your brain this break. So one thing that I'm a big proponent on is um, meditation. I it's, I get it. It's a hard, it's a skill that, that you need to practice. And you practicing every day when you're not stressed can actually lead to success. The VA has an uh, app, actually, that's free. It's called Mindfulness Coach. Mm. And in the app, it has all different types of meditation that you can do. Um, five to 20 minutes, just that daily, daily reminders and goals for yourself within the app. That's a good resource. I think being quiet, every morning I try to get some quiet time, at least about 45 yeah. minutes to an hour, just to get, just to decompress, you know, with all the stuff yeah. that's going on in the world. And it seems like to, in today's society, it seems like we are more alert or more on guard or tense. Maybe that's a better word to use because of everything that we see in the media. We see, I mean, gun violence to kids getting shot and what's going on with the economy and inflation, all this bad news, war in Ukraine, all this crazy stuff. So we have to have some kind of time to decompress. I agree, right? Our, the the part of your brain that, that is a stress response is, is the, archaic, the archaic part of your brain, right? That fight or flight. And when you're putting that in, like, a world in 2022, it can be really hard for your brain to, to process that when you're constantly having to go through the flight or fight, even though you might just be watching, you know, the Ukraine war or something on the news. It can still be having the fight or flight go off. Now, I'm asking you this question as well, but I asked a few other doctors and, and people, and I've gotten different opinions on this, but I want to ask you this question because you work in mental health. When um, people around the country are now turning to uh, CBD, um, cannabis, and things like that, is that helpful or is that harmful to use that to try to, I will, to relax? That is completely out of my scope of practice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we actually, there, there's study, there's still studies being done on it. Um, it's not federally regulated. So at the VA, we don't, right. um, it's not something we, we have, but there are studies being done and it, with it being still so new, mm-hmm. yeah, I will say it's hard for me to hold an opinion on it. <laughs> So when you so what are some of the things you talk to people about, and what do you, what are some of the most common things that people bring up to bring to you to address when they come to you for help? Yeah, so stress is probably number one. Um, PTSD, depression, anxiety—that's probably the the top four. Um, I actually specialize in um, one PTSD treatment. It's called primary care prolonged exposure. So it's doing prolonged exposure in a, a brief setting. Usually prolonged exposure can be, you know, 20, 20 to 40 sessions, depending on the patient. We do it within six to eight sessions at, the, at what I do for treatment. Um, so that's usually what I see. Um, if women's, I, I've worked in just your regular, regular packed clinics and then I've worked in women's health clinic and I do feel like it's all still depression, anxiety, PTSD we see quite often. Hmm. Now when people get older, it, are, is there a different type of risk that comes out if, if they're aging, depending on if they're getting treatment or not? 
Well, in terms of one thing that I actually see a lot, right, is when folks retire, especially, um, say, veterans, right, and they've had maybe PTSD for a long time, but when they retire, they, they don't have as much going on. You know, you're, you're out of this routine. I see so many folks having higher rates of PTSD symptoms. So mm-hmm. they'll be like, they'll tell me, you know, I haven't really experienced flashbacks for such a long time. Why all of a sudden am I starting to have flashbacks? And I'll say, you know, you're not having this, this way of avoidance. Avoidance is this huge part of PTSD, right, where we we tend to avoid our triggers as long as possible Mm -hmm. to be able to manage our our PTSD. It's a coping mechanism that we learn when we get rid of the avoidance. So with retirement, right, when we're maybe have a little bit more time on our hands, um, I often see folks that will be re-experiencing flashbacks or an increase in PTSD symptoms because of that. Wow. So that's, that's interesting because you, our population, our veteran population, is getting older. And one thing I do notice when I'm around uh, older veterans is that I've heard that before where they, they say that for some reason, um, I guess maybe because they don't have anything to distract them at work, they're not working anymore, they have more time to think about stuff, that it yeah. seems like they get a little more antsy, a little bit more intense, a little bit more stressed out, having flashbacks and things like that. So how do you, how do you identify your triggers? So what's a good yeah. way to, to know when something's going to take, take you off? Yeah, it's sometimes it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to be able to know um, what what might be triggering. Some people know right away, and some people might not really realize that this might be a trigger for them. Usually, like for for instance, for a long, for a prolonged exposure, um, what one part is is to write your narrative. For the primary care prolonged prolonged exposure, we do writing. Usually for a typical prolonged exposure, um, it's a recording. And then the the second part of that would be to identify like a list, top 10 um, triggers rated on like 0 to 10. So, for instance, it might be like um, sitting in a restaurant with maybe your back um, towards the door or having your blinds open in your house, things like that. Um, and we'll be able to maybe dive a little bit deeper into that and, and rate them of how triggering they are. And then slowly we, we expose and build up to maybe the most triggering experience. Wow. They mentioned meditation as, or quiet time, decompressing as a good way to kind of uh, cope and also get your mind right. But how, what about keeping a journal? Is that a good idea? Yes, I love journaling. <laughs> I give out journal prompts for homework all the time. Um, right. Sometimes our brains are we're we're not made to do one thing at a time, right? We're made to um, be multitaskers, but that can be overwhelming when there's a lot of stuff going on. So when you're able to sit down and journal and kind of pen put pen to paper of all your thoughts, everything that might be going on. It can be really relaxing and help you kind of go through your brain and see what's, what's happening and unscramble maybe what's going on in your brain. Hmm, that's a good idea. I like that. So any final words or final thoughts on what we need to know about, about the uh, clinic? Um, so just, just a few things. I do want to say, you know, with the integrated primary care it does help with stigma, too. So we are technically in primary care. We're not mental health. That's kind of how we get the buy-in from folks. Okay. So we're able to see folks without being in mental health. 
I know that, you know, we, we do have a lot of um, veterans that are also police and maybe in law enforcement. So if, if they aren't really or anyone's ambivalent to, to going straight into mental health, it can be nice to see someone within primary care. Um, that also, you know, we we can see some people same day, right? So we're reducing wait times. There is really no wait time to see us. Um, and just being able to, oh, one other thing, right? So a study showed within primary care mm-hmm. that if you were to get connected with a warm handoff, so see someone same day, the likelihood of you actually following up with appointments and getting scheduled within either primary care behavioral health or mental health care um, went up quite a bit. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, Chloe. Chloe Serpicoche is a licensed clinical social worker in primary care at the Behavioral Health Worker Clinic over at the Heinz, uh, Heinz VA. She does a great job there. Make sure you take care of your mind, take care of your body. This is America's Heroes okay. Group. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.